It's time for Around the Ozark Sports Scene, brought to you by Fast Break Sports, the largest selection of cards and card supplies in southwest Missouri. Now here's your host, Scott Perrier. Welcome in to another edition of Around the Ozark Sports Scene. I am Scott Perrier. Always uh, my thanks to you for listening, and we start off this podcast each week with our What to Watch segment. Hopefully everyone's recovered from that uh, big Chiefs victory on Sunday night, and some will still be partying, partying through uh, midweek this week with the return of the parade uh, for champions uh, through downtown KC. So I'm sure there'll be some Ozarkers make the trip up there, and, and deservedly so, because knowing a lot of people spent a lot of time suffering through Chiefs' uh, agony back in the uh, 80s and early 90s and periods like that, this is a glorious time to be a Chiefs fan. And, of course, uh, we wrap uh, or we start off the uh, What to Watch by recapping that and saying our football season is over now uh, after that 25-22 overtime win for the Chiefs over the Niners in the Super Bowl Sunday night uh, out in Las Vegas. Second straight title for the Chiefs, third in five years. It was the most watched Super Bowl in history with more than 123 million viewers across all platforms. And we'll have more on the Chiefs and that victory in the Scott's Thoughts segment later on in the podcast. Missouri State's Lady Bears had their role uh, come to an end with a split of big home games last weekend. Uh, they had um, a good win over Belmont on Friday night, 73-54, to but turned around and had a surprising 95-89 to loss to Murray State on Sunday a team they had beaten uh, in Kentucky uh, about a month ago. So that was the Lady Bears' first loss in 13 games at home this season, Great Southern Bank Arena. Coach Beth Cunningham's squad uh, will look to bounce back. They're going on a three-game road trip starting at Indiana State and Evansville this Thursday and Saturday. Next week they visit uh, Drake for a tough one uh, in Valley Conference play there. Missouri State is 15-6 and six overall, 9-3 and three in the Valley. Meanwhile, the basketball Bears are 14-11 overall, 6-8 in Missouri Valley Conference play after their tough Saturday a two-point home loss to league leader Indiana State, 73-71, which, by the way, the Sycamores popped into the uh, top 25 for the first time since Larry Bird played there um, this week. So a big mon- uh, moment for Indiana State basketball. Bears are still in that log jam of middle-of-the-pack teams in the Valley standings. They're trying to avoid the uh, Thursday night play-in round of death up at Arch Madness in St. Louis here in, in a couple weeks, uh, need to get back on track. And they've got a game at Murray State uh, before this episode comes out. They play that game this Wednesday. They've got Valparaiso coming in on Saturday in a winnable home game at the Great Center Bank Arena. Finally, baseball season is here. Pitchers and catchers are reporting the spring training this week, which is always a great sign uh, for the major league and minor league levels. And Missouri State opens Coach Keith Gutton's 42nd and final season when the Bears open up at Louisiana Monroe Monroe for games this Friday through Sunday. Meanwhile, Drury opens up uh, at home this weekend. They are going to uh, mark the debut of the revamped Metter Park Mark Worley Field when Coach Scott Nasby's Panthers play host to Missouri Western for a four-game series starting on Friday. I believe that's two or one on Friday, two on Saturday one on Sunday, but if you know college baseball, that can change uh, when the weather forecast changes as well. So good luck and wishes for warm, dry weather early on for our college baseball programs. Special guest today on the Around the Ozark sports scene is the head football coach of the Missouri State Bears, entering his second season, Coach Ryan Beard. Coach, thanks for joining me. 
Thanks a lot for having me, man. I hope you're having a great day. You betcha. I, I was going to say this is kind of the calm before the storm for you with spring drills getting ready to start, but there is there really any calm anymore in college football coaching? No, there's not. It's it's constant recruiting, and that's of your own roster as well as you know the other prospective student-athletes in the country. And then we were actually had an exciting morning here. We uh, got up early, got the guys in the gym due to the snow, so we hit the ground running at about 5.30 this morning, got started with our mat drills. So it was uh, it was good to see the new team. It was good to see the young guys that are, that are new faces as well as our mix of, of veteran guys that came in ready to work. Absolutely, and you do have a little time. Kind of give us the uh, tentative rundown on the start of spring drills and and uh, an expected spring game date. Yeah, so right now we're in the phase of really working towards spring ball. So we're in basically our our entry level to spring ball. So we will get into spring practice on March the nineteenth, and then we will conclude with a scrimmage slash spring game on April sixth. Um, so again, everybody's encouraged to come out to those. We have open practices. Um, so, you know, if you want to come see the bears in action, um, contact our DFO or look online for those dates and come see us. Absolutely. And, and again, you've, you've been around the block, even at a young age now. I mean, you've coached, this is your fifth stop as a coach, first time as a head coach. What can you say looking back now that you learned probably the most that you didn't anticipate uh, in that jump from being an assistant and being a a coordinator to being the head coach? Sure. I think with with every jump you make in your career path, it's um, a different way to manage your time and how to allocate tasks. And um, I think that was a learning curve because I'm a guy that likes to have my hand in a lot of things, but you have to trust the people that you hire and know that you're hiring good people that are totally capable of doing their jobs and, and not mic- micromanage them. Um, the one thing, and again, I, I referred to this morning earlier in the segment, but we had a staff meeting this morning, and I told the staff, I said, I want to be a, a vessel for you as well in your career. I want to see your best self shine. I want to hear your ideas. I w- this is a staff that we're creative together. It's not a dictatorship, um, and, and that's been huge. And the one thing I'll say about that also is, it's kind of like being a parent. Um, I never understood this until it happened, but everybody was always like, you know, you think you're ready. Um, you know, you've prepared. You've got everything laid out, mapped out. Um, but you're never really ready to be a head coach until you're actually in the chair experiencing it. And how much different does it feel now? I mean, do you feel a, a lot more, I guess, confident and calm and, and okay, this, this needs to be done now. This needs to be done next week, things like that. Yeah, it's night and day different. Um, there's there's certainly a sense of calm and a sense of, hey, I've been here, done this before. Now, how do we tweak it and improve it along the way? Because uh, you know, when you're when your first time is in the chair and everyone looks to you for literally every every single answer within the program, it's it's not something you're used to. But you know, I'm confident in what we do here and our ability to get this thing rolling, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Coming off of the completion of your, your recruiting class, the signing period in terms of the actual signing days, you signed 13 back in December, including seven high school players, uh, add another six uh, this month. So you got a 19-player class right now by the signing dates. I, I know this is a different world now. And, and, and is that a number that you kind of had in mind going in? And how in the world does a coach know now what to hold back, uh, you know, with spring drills, with the portal, with with all that factored in, because there are defections after uh, spring games too now as well. 
Right. Really, you you almost break it up into almost like a football game, four quarters. Um, you know, when when me and you were were playing, and everybody else that used to play college football, there was one major signing day, and mm-hmm. there weren't all these other signings throughout the year. But now we take it in really four quarters. Obviously, the beginning of the year with the two signing days, and then your after spring signing period, your summer. There's really a time that you can sign guys in the summer. So there's really four different opportunities to, um, you know make sure your roster looks the way you want it to look. And, again, it's kind of everything in the air because there's guys that could hit the portal tomorrow. I mean, if you're a graduate student and, you know, you don't like how a practice goes, technically you can get yourself in the portal and be picked up by another team. Um, so the proverbial toothpaste is totally out of the tube in regards to the, the guardrails of recruiting. Um, that's neither here nor there. It's just the world we live in. we got to continue to navigate it. I saw where uh, one of the early signees in December was a tight end from Arkansas, uh, a kid out of Asylum Springs, Arkansas. Did you get him before your father-in-law got there or not? I did. I did. Hunter <laughs> Talley. Hunter Talley is his name, and he is a great-looking young player. Uh, he actually played all all around the field in high school. And the one thing that I pride myself on is, being a coach that's coached at every level, D2, FCS, FBS, Power 5, G5, whatever it is. And at D2, we were always taught to identify the best player on the field and be able to fit him into your package somewhere. And the Arkansas guys did a nice job of seeing Hunter as a quarterback and as a defensive player that played all over the field understand that, hey, with his size, his frame, he can be a dynamic tight end and he's going to be a really good player. Is that where you'll have him tied in? Yes. Yeah. You know, kind of thinking back to what we talked about just a second ago about the learning curve as a head coach, and and for those who who don't know, uh, Ryan's father-in-law is Bobby Petrino, who's now the uh, OC down at uh, Arkansas. How much did you pick his brain after he left in terms of the head coaching aspect of it and learning that part of it? Yeah, a ton. I think having strong mentors in any business is important, and I've been fortunate enough to play for and um, work with a, a ton of strong football minds because, I mean, just in the last five years, it was Bobby Petrino, Jim McElwain, Jeff Brom. Um, I mean, I mean, Jamarcus Shepard is now the wide receivers coach at Alabama. Uh, we, we've been around some really strong football minds, and I've been extremely fortunate. I tell the players all the time, I said, you never, you know, you, you can never underestimate the value of relationships because as a player, I played for two head coaches, three D coordinators and five position coaches. And it was absolutely brutal as a player. But now that they're all successful coaches in their own right, now I have just a huge, massive network of guys to be able to pick their brain and kind of get dialed in on what we need to do in our program. Probably don't talk much about recruiting uh, targets now with him right in your backyard, do you? There's still still some differences there. Yeah. you know, there, there's no reason not to bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, we, we have similar recruiting areas. So, you know, he'll ask if I've seen this guy. I'll ask if you've seen that guy or had him to a camp or if we've had a guy to camp. Um, because, again, it's a lot like uh, we have to be realistic. And, I, and I'm sure you understand that in regards to even our staff. You know, there's, there is a different level to resource that, that Arkansas can offer that, you know, Missouri State will get there. But it's it's not quite there right now. So you know, there, there's no reason that we can't all play nice and uh, go after go after some different people. 
You know, we, we talked about uh, your classes you're bringing in, but the class you brought in last year, uh, really your first recruiting class, I know there were a lot of really high-profile local names. Um, I assume did most of them redshirt, you know, Cole Forbacher, Caden Weast, Andrew Link, and, and guys like that? Yeah, and they look great. I'm telling you, we had a workout this morning, and they're, they're a super impressive group. Um, and we oftentimes go around the staff room and talk about who impressed and you know who needs work. And some of the guys that impressed were the guys you just named. Caden looked great. Um, you know, Link was phenomenal. They're, they're both big, strong, powerful guys. Um, Cole was still learning the position as quarterback. Um, you know, when, you, when you're in the empty gun in high school, every single snap, you have to learn to, to truly play quarterback. You know, he's got to hand the ball off. He's got to make progression reads. And I think that's where he's made uh, some of the biggest strides. I saw him at the Bass Pro Tournament Champions just in the crowd, and, and I've known him back to, you know, when our sons played third and fourth grade, and just how big he was physically, you know, just in that yeah. year and, and stuff was amazing to me. And then I look and, and see you had three freshmen All-America second-team selections, according to Phil Steele, and all three were redshirt freshmen. Is that kind of the beard way and, and probably the general football way is those kids need that year to get ready if they're really going to produce? Yeah, absolutely. And and when we do it, we're we're pretty unique in our recruiting because um, as the portal's gone, we've hit on some really good young players. And we tell them simply, if you're ready to play, we will play you. If you can help this football team win, we we won't redshirt you. But if there's something that comes up in practice that you need work on that, you know, we need to either get you bigger or we need to improve your football IQ or, you know, maybe you need some academic work, we always have that red shirt possibility. But, again, we try to have an evaluation process that makes sure we identify the best in the areas and make sure that we're having kids that we think can come in and play quickly. Four and seven record that first year. Uh, your Bears score 30 points a game, give up 30 points a game. What did you take away from your initial season? I know every coach wants to go 11-0, and 0, but um, expectation-wise, where did it fit in your spectrum there? Yeah, I think we showed promise. Uh, I think that we finished the way we wanted to finish. We finished on on a, on a strong few games, and it was really just the full makeup of how those games shook out. Early in the year, we saw you know, a, a much younger defense than we were used to, guys playing for their first time in college. And um, you saw some of the mistakes come out that hadn't come out in the last few years. And um, that that's how, you know, sometimes in college football it works because – you're going to have some young years. You're going to have some guys that, you know, need to get their feet wet and do a nice job. And offensively, we finally, you know, turned it up a few notches. Coach Nick Petrino did a great job. I mean, we were we were top five in almost every, every category of the conference, which is tremendous. We And, you know, we were talking about recruiting earlier. One of the proudest things that we've done as a staff is keep our best players in-house. Um, I don't think we, we lost a single person that – you know, we didn't intentionally want to keep in our program, which is a huge testament to our coaching staff and those guys working hard and making relationships with guys in-house. Um, but again, I think we gained momentum at the end of the year, and I think um, that we are going to be ready to roll with a chip on our shoulder moving into spring practice. You know, we, we, we're going to talk about Portal because it's, it's a hot topic today, and, and I thought one of the most interesting things is you actually – won a portal battle for one of your own players. You know, the wide receiver, uh, Raylan Sharp, that 
averaged just under 100 yards a game, went into the portal, came back out and stayed put, correct? That's correct. And, you know, with with tampering and everything else running rampant, I mean, our kids are, uh, you know, getting messages and, you know, people reaching out to people that they know during the season. I mean, these are FBS programs reaching out to our top players while they're trying to get ready for Northern Iowa. I mean, it's um, the whole thing has just totally gone off the guardrail um, in regards to, you know, because why we all got into this is student, athlete, health, and wellness, right? And that is also their mental health and wellness. It's hard to focus and concentrate and be your best self and, you know, be where your feet are if you've got guys in your inbox you know, giving you these crazy offers to get in the portal as soon as the portal opens up. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's ridiculous, that's, that's, too. Yeah. That's the most frustrating part to me is that um, as a coach, you know, I know doctors take an oath, do no harm. As a coach, if if you have any moral fiber at all, it's for the betterment of these young student-athletes. That I have two daughters. Uh, I'm not familiar with your family, but – I need to put young men into the world that I wouldn't mind sitting across the table from, you know, having a beer with and relaxing, knowing that they're going to take care of my daughters. That's my top priority. How do you find out if if one of your kids has been tampered with? Do do they come to you in most cases? And oh yeah, do yeah. They? People 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 <laughs> people think they're you know that everybody's good at hiding things, but you know we hear the offers that are being made, and you know a lot of times because. You can see it all over the the young men's faces. They're not trying to get the other, you know, the people that are reaching out in trouble or anything like that. They just don't know how to navigate it because it's so crazy to them. You know, NFL guys, they have agents that deal with that stuff. Um, This is just a random Twitter message or somebody that finds their their cell phone. Wow. And, and, you know, as an industry, as a coaching industry, uh, and I don't want to get you in any trouble with the NCAA, obviously, but how disappointing is it that there's nobody really governing this right now? Yeah, it's it's um, it's frustrating at times for sure. Um, I think that you know the NCAA is in a tough spot. I think they're trying to do the very best they can, but we have to try to eventually get this thing under control in some capacity. Now you're going to ask, do I have any ideas of what that could look like? No, I I, I don't at this point. Um, you know, the, the advisory boards and all the people that in their offices and thinking about that kind of stuff. I'm sure they're um, trying to do the very best they can to get this thing back in order. But it's just, um, you know, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the almighty dollar right now um, rules everything. Is there a solution in your mind? I, I have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I have some ideas, and, and uh, some of the same ideas are shared with some of my peers that, because we have a huge coaches um, convention once a year, and everybody goes and gets back together and kind of chats about a few things. Um, but uh, again, it's just it's hard to talk about because you know the NCAA is still our governing body, and that's important that they know that we support them, and and that's how it'll stay. Well, you know, and and the NIL thing is just out of control. I mean, you got coaches calling kids, uh, you know like you said, they're not even in the portal yet and making that offer, and then they don't show up at practice. I won't mention any names on that one, being an, an OU fan. But um, the, the fact that this is going on, is it trickling down to the FCS level with the NIL stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's all making its way into FCS, 
high school. I mean, everything is being touched right now by NIL, and it's, um, you know, it's something that we created. You know, everybody is getting upset with they're, – they're upset at the wrong thing. They're, they're saying, you know, kids have changed this and that. Well, who, who institutes the policies? You, you know what I mean? Who, yeah. Who, who are we supposed to look to for guidance? Are we looking at these uh, 18- to 24-year-olds for guidance? Are we looking at the people that are on these committees and that, that are on the advisory boards that are uh, making these decisions? So we, I think that's something we need to concentrate on. You know, you got into this from a coaching aspect probably, what, about 10 years ago now, at thereabouts, or getting close to it? Yeah, definitely 10. Getting, man, I'm getting uh, eight to myself. <laughs> closer to 15 now. Well, when you got into that, um, you know, there wasn't a portal. Oh, there was a portal, I'm sure, but it wasn't anything like it is now in terms of ease of movement. And there was no such thing as NIL. And I guess my question is, how not fun – is dealing with all this as part of the coaching job now. And, and you know, we see your father-in-law, Bobby Petrino, you know, in his in his mid-60s still going at it. Do you guys have discussions as – I mean, we see older coaches now saying, to heck with it, I'm done. Is that, is that a large factor, you think, in a lot of their decisions? Yeah, I think it certainly has to weigh in. And it's I think a lot of that more so has to do with just the recruiting calendar itself being – because, you know – Again, when I was playing and when I got into coaching, there was an off season where it was really, hey, let's concentrate on football and let's focus in on, you know, our own roster and what that needs to look like. Now, almost 365, you have to look at every aspect, not just the football side, but the recruiting, the roster management. And, you know, you're starting to see these positions come to life that are NFL positions like the GM role or, um, you know, different capacities like that on, on these coaching staffs that that's basically their primary role is to handle that now you know i i don't think again i'm a, I'm a young coach in this i still love football at its truest form i think that these young guys are trying to navigate the best very best they can and i still believe in our game and it's the best team game there is and i think it's going to survive i think it's going to be just fine we just got to kind of you know tighten the screws down here and there when you see a Chip Kelly leave a head coaching job at UCLA for, for an offensive coordinator job in the same conference now at Ohio State, is that an indication partly that, that the, all this stuff's out of whack? Because, I mean, he immediately took away some salary, but he took away a lot of the pressures, didn't he? Sure. Yeah, and it's hard to speak on you know people that you don't know personally, but everyone can make assumptions, and obviously you, you would assume that um, going into the space that his football team was heading into – um, you, you have to be able to compete because, you know, me and you are, are grown men with families, and let's let's call this what it is. Let's say me and you are peers in whatever industry, and someone calls you in the same industry and goes, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a $500,000 raise. And, um, and the, the, the second person calls and goes, yeah, I'm going to give you. I got ten thousand for you. Hope you hope you come and be happy here. Which are you going to take? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you get what I'm saying. I just I, I I hope that people can start wrapping their mind around a, a common sense approach to life. Now, you know, I think the world at its in a whole aspect needs to start getting a little more realistic and having you know just some common sense things begin to you know get back in place. But for us, for sure. Well, and then the pressure to win now at, at every level. You know, I mean, you're you're paid to win football games and bring people to the stands, and 
you know, the portal is like, a, I'm sure, like a shopping center for, for you guys, you know, and you got to weed through what the best bargains are and what you don't <laughs> want to touch and all that. Does it change your approach now to recruiting high school kids? Because if you, you develop them too well, you may not keep them. And then they may not sure. be patient enough to develop. I mean, how, how out of whack has that made recruiting high school kids now for, for all levels? It's certainly different, but I've actually uh, we, we've developed a little different flavor here that has served us, served us really well. They know nationally, Missouri State has known that we are still in the high school market. We are still going to take the best high school players available. Here's why. Um, when I sit down in a young man's uh, kitchen or you know wherever we go and sit down with the family I want the very best players we can get right now and my job as the head coach and any coach in general is again to be a vessel for their success and make sure that they are the very best that they can possibly be if you're an all-american here for two years and you can make life-changing money to go power five and go to one of these elite places hey listen go make life-changing money for your family I appreciate your service we'll go get another one um so that is a little bit of a unique take on things that has helped us get some premier high school players throughout the country. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but do you have an NIL pool to, to work with at Missouri State? Our collective does a nice job in, in creating resources for our football team, um, and hopefully anybody listening to this, it is a major part. We need your help. We need things for our players to put them in positions to be as successful as possible. Um, so reach out to the uh, FPA, which is a, is a great foundation, and I can get you in touch with the right people. Reach out to me if you want to get involved and you want to make Springfield a premier place in Missouri Valley to play football. Give me a couple goals you have for uh, this spring and the spring game. So spring, we just need to come out and, and gain some depth in some areas. Um, the one thing that we kind of talked on offense and defense a little bit earlier um, defensive line last year, we got so thin. We really had four of the six in the rotation were freshmen and sophomores. Um, so we have to make sure we continue to develop our young guys and get them a ton of reps um, and, and find out who wants to compete. Again, when you've got guys trickling in from the transfer portal and you've got your foundation guys that have been grown within the program, it's always fun to see what this, this year's team will look like because that's the exciting part, you know. We can talk about last year's and this and that, but, you know, it, it's it's just time to see the mental makeup and, and the heart of this football team. That's what I'm most excited about. And then spring game, you know, just the, the, the spring game has to be fun for us, the fans, for everyone involved, because we want to make it an experience that's enjoyable. They will have grinded their butts off throughout spring, and that's kind of a chance to, you know, have some fun and perform in front of your family and friends. Couple questions to wrap it up about MVPs. Uh, tell me, as a football coach, when you see Patrick Mahomes, what do you see, and how does he do what he does and do it so well? Yeah, it, I mean his his mental makeup is incredible. And I, I t- we had a team meeting the other day, and I told the players, I said, you know, when you're at the legal legal age to gamble, if that's something that you like doing, never bet against the winner. <laughs> Winners win. I'm. I, it's just. It is so true because he, he's never out of the game when you watch him when you watch him around his teammates his his demeanor never really changes that much sure there's some you know high and low flashes but he's he's mr consistent he knows what it takes to get the job done he understands his role he understands you know again 
the, the way that he has to process to keep his team in the fight at all times, I, I think that's one of the most impressive things he does. And the other MVP, just a reminder to you, Ryan Beard, that Valentine's Day is this week. Uh, it's got to be your wife, Katie. you got four kids. You're a head football coach. How does she manage uh, the homestead? She is the only reason that I that we are in this position. Um, she is an incredible woman, woman of faith. She has things. I mean, she just, I, I cannot, I'm sitting here smiling ear to ear because I know how special she is to me. And if you've ever gotten the chance to meet her and see her and just be in her presence, uh, she is the radiating light of my life. And this football team is, is lucky to have her as well because, you know, a lot of coaches talk about family this and family that, but I encourage all these recruits to go into the offices and see if there's actually kids running around and see if our wives are around. You know, the, the wives have special treat Wednesday during the season and they all cook home goods and bake goods for our players and come out and, you know, throw football and give them a taste of home. And that's just, you don't, you don't get that everywhere. And the one thing that I can say to anyone in the surrounding area that's wondering about Missouri State football and the direction it's heading, um, that, that speaks volumes in itself. Is We're truly about the student-athlete. It's a family-oriented place. And I can't thank Katie Beard enough for what she does and what she has done for my life and what she does for this organization. So it sounds like I did not need to remind you that tomorrow's Valentine's Day, right? Hey, listen, I, 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 told, I, I was laughing with Katie because I'm Catholic and we're going to get our ashes tomorrow. I said, hey, babe, listen, you know, it's Valentine's Day, but it's, you know, also Ash Wednesday, got into church. He goes, I already know. We're going to 530. You know, I'll, I'll see you there. I'll have the kids ready. We'll, we'll see you at Immaculate Conception when we go to church. Yeah, so she, that, that's, I know that sounds simple to you, but it's, it's just who she is. She's selfless. She, um, she is just overall an amazing woman. Very good. Coach Baird, appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and the Bears, and, and go get them, okay? I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot for your time. You bet. Thank you, Ryan. As we do each week, we wrap up the podcast with Scott's thoughts, my uh, ramblings and musings on the things uh, in the local, regional, and national world of sports. We start out by saying it is accurate to call this a Chiefs dynasty. Now with Super Bowl titles back-to-back in three of the last five years, and this glorious run for Chiefs Kingdom may not end for a few more years. Patrick Mahomes is only 28 years old and entering his prime for NFL quarterbacks. That should last at least the next four or five years of, of very good Patrick Mahomes play, if not longer. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco just finished his second year and, and seems to be the perfect running back for that system with his angry running right up the middle and ability to catch passes out of the backfield, too. Rasheed Rice, the rookie wide receiver, appears to be uh, on the verge of stardom with the, the um, I guess, relationship he formed with Mahomes down the stretch as his favorite go-to out wide. Uh, he's going to be a good one. And that offensive line is relatively young and got some good uh, good guys up front to keep those guys protected. I think the Chiefs could use another uh, talented wide receiver like a T. Higgins or maybe a Calvin Ridley to be a solid number two complement to Rice outside. And you got Travis Kelsey. He'll be another year older, but he's still better than about two-thirds of the tight ends in the NFL. So don't think the offense is going to be a problem going forward, as it was uh, early in the year when they were trying to figure out the uh, the roles for Rice and Pacheco and some of those guys this season. I think the key will be keeping that young defense as intact as possible. They've got budding stars everywhere that are going to have to get paid at some point, uh, especially the corners with Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie. 
the combo of, of defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo's blitz packages and the way those kids on the corners lock down the talent of Frisco receivers, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, really to me was the main reason the Chiefs walked away with the biggest trophy again. They may have to let free agent and uh, middle disruptor Chris Jones walk. We may need too much money. But keeping the free agent to be Sneed is imperative for the Chiefs to have that defense uh, as good as it was this year. As bad as things have been down south with Arkansas men's basketball, they are embarrassingly even worse up north at Mizzou. Dennis Gates appears to be a coaching and recruiting revelation last year when the Tigers had such a good uh, season in his rookie effort. That 25 wins and going to the NCAA tournament, getting a win there. But a lot of that memory has been erased with this disaster of a season with Mizzou fans. If you read the message boards and check out their comments, Mizzou's 8 and 16 overall. They are amazingly 0 and 11 in the SEC entering this Saturday's game at Ole Miss. And if you look at the Tigers' remaining schedule, I'm not sure there may be another win on it. Uh, Gates had that remarkable recruiting class, or has a remarkable recruiting class coming in for next year. And there's no doubt he'll get a chance to coach that group. But, boy, it makes you wonder right now which Gates is the real Gates. Hopefully it's somewhere in the middle for Mizzou fans. Speaking of Mizzou basketball, there are rumblings that the school could be looking for a new women's head coach after the season to replace Robin Pinchton as the Tigers have posted another less than inspiring season with their 11-13 overall record, 2-9 and in the SEC. Don't be surprised if former Kickapoo and Drury standout Molly Miller, who also, of course, coached at Drury, had an amazing run there, emerges as a candidate to return to her home state. Molly is having her best season of her four years at Grand Canyon University. Her lopes are sitting at 20-4 and four overall. They're 12-1 and one and atop the standings of the Western Athletic Conference. The WAC is not the SEC, but if Molly can get Grand Canyon into the women's big dance, her work there may be done and a payday awaiting. She's won everywhere she's been, so I wouldn't doubt her ability to get things turned around eventually in Columbia if given that opportunity to. Lastly, to address the local controversy with the extra two points erroneously given by the scoreboard operator to Kickapoo last week in the second quarter of their eventual one-point win in a thriller versus rival Glendale, it happens. Human error. It happens more often than you, uh, than you know and think. It just so happened this was a rivalry game and a game that uh, came down to a one-point decision as well. Rather than call on Misha to reverse the final outcome of a game that had another 19 more minutes of game time to be decided and actually saw Glendale take the lead and blow a six-point lead late, I'd wonder why it wasn't spotted and and protested more aggressively by someone on the Glendale bench, the coaching staff, um, you know, a player on the bench, even the fans, somebody going down to the Glendale bench and say, hey, they've got two extra points. Um, I know Glendale coached in the past that would have put a chair out midcourt and wouldn't have moved until that had happened. But uh, you just can't expect um, Misha to step in and reverse a game like that. It's human error. It happens. So uh, you got to move on. That's going to do it for Around the Ozark Sports Scene this week. Our thanks to our great sponsor, Fast Break Sports on South Campbell. And go see them for all your sports card and supplies needs. And, again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.